Loving Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name, O Lord, for the privilege you've given to us that we are a part of the living. Lord, consecrate us to your service that, may our, that our lives may be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, in heaven, we pray that you sanctify us with the words that we are going to hear from this devotion. Grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. I pray, Lord, that you will grant to us discernment, impress on our hearts the truths contained in these words. Put your words in my mouth, Lord, for I have nothing to say that will really be understood rightly. And I pray, Father, that everyone listening will be accorded that gift of your Spirit to rightly divide the word of truth and understand that which you have to say. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage March 21 Learning and Unlearning The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 In the wilds of Midian, Moses spent 40 years as a keeper of sheep, apparently cut off forever from his life's mission. He was receiving the discipline essential for its fulfillment. Moses had been learning much that he must unlearn. The influences that had surrounded him in Egypt the love of his foster mother, his own high position as the king's grandson, the dissipation on every hand, the refinement, the subtlety and the mysticism of false religion, the splendor of idolatrous worship, the solemn grandeur of architecture and sculpture, all had left deep impressions upon his developing mind and had molded to some extent his habits and character. Time, change of surroundings and communion with God could remove these impressions. It would require on the part of Moses himself a struggle as for life to renounce error and accept truth. But God would be his helper when the conflict should be too severe for human strength. In order to receive God's help, man must realize his weakness and deficiency. He must apply his own mind to the great change to be wrought in himself. Many never attain to the position that they might occupy because they wait for God to do for them that which he has given them power to do for themselves. Shut in by the bulwarks of the mountains, Moses was alone with God. The magnificent temples of Egypt no longer impressed his mind with their superstition and falsehood. In the solemn grandeur of the everlasting hills, he beheld the majesty of the Most High and in contrast realized how powerless and insignificant were the gods of Egypt. Everywhere the Creator's name was written. Moses seemed to stand in his presence and to be overshadowed by his power. 
Here, his pride and self-sufficiency were swept away. In the stern simplicity of his wilderness life, the results of the ease and luxury of Egypt disappeared. Moses became patient, reverent and humble, very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Numbers chapter 12 verse 3 Yet strong in faith in the mighty God of Jacob. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Learning and Unlearning. Our key text is taken from the book of Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6, which says, The Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. To the question, where is the source of wisdom and knowledge? There we have the answer. It is found in God. But is it found in the God of the world? Certainly not. The Bible says that it is found in God. And when we look at the topic we have for today, learning and unlearning, the process by which Moses got qualified for the greatest work ever committed to man. You see, there are great works to be done in our own time perhaps just as great as that of Moses and I've been talking about it. There is a work that God wants us to do. In the book of Revelation 14, God speaks about a people who will stand for him in these last days. They are described as those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus as found in Revelation 14 verse 12. Just as Moses needed to be qualified for that great work, like we can say the greatest work ever committed to man, to mortals, today there is even a greater work committed to mortals and just like Moses those who must do this work have a lot to learn and a lot to unlearn they must pass through a process a system of education different from that which we find in the world it cannot be found within the four walls of any school this is a direct education that you get from God Moses received it and we can receive it we, like Moses, have been learning much that we must unlearn. What were the things he learned? It was learned in his stay in Egypt, in the schools of Egypt. So also with us, Egypt being the world which represents sin, in the bondage of Egypt we must come out. Today it is known as Babylon, that's what we call it. And there is a call in Revelation 18, we see a message that tells us Babylon is fallen and that we are to come out of Babylon. So also. As Moses came out of Egypt, we are to come out of Babylon and Babylon represents the false religion, the false system of education that we have received in the world. The funny thing about this is that many hold up this education as though it were God itself. I remember when I was in school also receiving the false education, there's a friend of mine who would say, oh, you are playing with your future. That is when he sees that somebody is not uh, doing all they can to get their certificate. In the sense of either cheating in exam and the rest, you say, oh, don't play with your future. You have to do all these things so that you can get the good grade and all. You see, that's the false system of education. Moses received it and he was affected by it. Many of us are affected by it. And there's one part of this education that many are affected by, which is the pride. That pride was something that Moses needed to let go of. And we read here in the devotion, time, change of surroundings and communion with God could remove the impressions. 
and it would require on the part of Moses himself a struggle as for life to renounce error and accept truth. But God would be his helper when the conflict should be too severe for human strength. So also with us, we can claim the strength from God. He can be our helper. Perhaps you've been hearing the things I've been saying and I talked about not even having degrees and I know that would be a shocking thing for some. What do you mean that people should go to school without even giving degrees? We'll talk a bit about that later on today. And then the whole system of having the Bible as a foundation. We'll still talk about that today. It may be startling to you, but there is a lot you need to unlearn if you must qualify yourself to do the work of God today. And the work we're talking about is the work the whole world needs. Perhaps you have a good heart. You want to help this world. But let us think from uh, laying the axe to the roots. We have talked about this when we talked about the devotion worth more two days ago. What is worth more? You have a good heart. You want to help the world. Check around you. People have done it. The same things have been done again. Even the world, they say it. That foolishness is repeating the same thing over and over again and get expecting a different result. There's one thing the world has not tried and that is God's education. They've been using their own education to try to solve poverty, to try to solve the problem in divorce and the marriages that are failing. They've been using the world's education to try to remove war and death and disease. But has it worked? For thousands of years, it has failed. Why then go back to the same thing again? Why don't you, with your good heart, you want to help this world, why don't you come into the school of Christ, unlearn the things you have learned, and come under the school of Christ to learn the things that will make you of usefulness and of the greatest benefit you can be to this world. Just as God called Abraham out of his own land, which is Babylon, God is calling us out. And why did God call him out? so that he can be a blessing to the world. One thing we need to understand is that the call to come out of Babylon is essentially found in a call not to come out of false system of worship alone, but firstly to come out of the false system of education. Reading from pamphlet 81, page 37, paragraph 2, hear this, hear these words. It says, The early reformers found it necessary to have their own courses of study, textbooks, teachers, methods, principles, etc. They separated themselves completely from the popular schools of the day. It required courage and faith in those days to take such a stand. And it will require even more courage and faith for those who are preparing for translation to take the stand which the testimonies are pleading for them to take. They knew that if their children should go to the schools where the popular education was given, they would receive the mark of the beast or the mark of the papacy. Those who are living to the light at the present time will see even more clearly that if their children continue to go to the popular schools, they will receive such principles as will compel them to assist in giving life to the image of the beast. Anyone who has a knowledge of the third angel's message and who will take the trouble to examine the studies and methods of the popular system of education can see that the books are filled with those errors which will oblige those who are receiving their education from them to take the dreadful step which will bring upon a world in religious and civil darkness greater than has ever been known. Then these wonderful words are said. The command found in Revelation 18 verse 4, come out of her my people, means to come out of those institutions which will place in the minds of our young people principles which are apt to make them join the class of worshippers of which we read in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. 
as faithful watchmen. We should be just as desirous of getting our children out of the popular schools as we are to call the older people out of the popular churches. The popular churches are only a product of worldly education. So to get at the root of the matter, we must separate ourselves from that which creates the condition in which all the religious world at present finds itself. End of quote. This is the root of the issue. It is education. Come out of Babylon, we say to come out of the churches, but it's the schools that produce the church. So, in the call to come out of Babylon is the foundation that we should come out of the system of education that created Babylon in the first place. Now, we have seen that Moses, his education in Egypt, he needed to unlearn so many things, so with us. But I would want to also make us understand, yeah, we've talked about this, so I've not explained it. Moses' education in Egypt was in the providence of God and it was actually a help to him in a sense. It was not completely useless. Through that education, he could better relate when God was telling him the things he was to tell Israel that he should not do. Do you remember when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai after he had received the commandments? That he met Joshua on the way and Joshua said to him that he's hearing the sound of war. And Moses told him, no, it's not the sound of war you hear. That is the sound of feasting that the people have apostatized. Though it is true that God had already told him that the people have gone a whoring after other gods before he even came down. But Moses had an experience. He was more intuitive to understand the evils that people are practicing. He could tell. You know, there are sometimes you're trying to explain to people some things that are wrong, some hand signs and some uh, symbols that they're not supposed to use. They think that they're doing the right thing. They don't know they're doing the wrong thing. Moses, because he was in Egypt, he knew the in and out of Egypt. He knew idolatry so well that he would have nothing to do with it. So that when God was explaining to him the things he should tell the children of Israel that he should not do. For example, go to the book of Leviticus 18, reading from verse 1 to 5 and then later from verse 6 downward. You see God telling Moses, tell the children of Israel, after the doings of, the, of Egypt, where you are coming from, they should not do. And after the doings of Canaan, where you are going to, they should not do. And then God starts to list out some of the things. There is no better person that would have explained this thing to the children of Israel than someone who had witnessed it for himself. Someone who understood the education of the children of Egypt and the Canaanites so well that he could explain the danger in it. You see, naivety sometimes is really terrible. I've been in situations where I try to explain to people the evils of something that they consider to be just innocent, but they don't know that this thing is a system of worship to idols. But someone who has that education has understood the in and out of Egypt. He knew it very well and could able to, he was able to spot idolatry very quickly. He was able to spot apostasy very quickly and he would have nothing to do with it. Take for example, if somebody from uh, Europe, for example, who has not grown up in Africa, comes to Africa and then they, gives him, they give him alcohol and say, before you drink it, just pour some on the floor and then raise your hand up to heaven and then you can drink it. He will feel like there's no big deal there, but he does not understand that that is an act of worship of giving to the gods and to the ancestors and also raising it to the sun god he doesn't understand that moses knew all these things and he that person who doesn't understand it will feel like there's no big deal there and this was a problem with israel many times they felt that idolatry was not a big deal and so many times they were always falling into it but moses understood so that is what leads me to make us understand that even the system of education in the world that moses received it actually did help him it did help him in a way 
but not in the sense of using it to serve God, but using it to expose error. And then that leads me to making us understand too that there is a time when it may be necessary for some to go to the uh, schools of the world. Reading from Christian Education, page 214, we read, The course of God needs teachers who have high moral qualities and can be trusted with the education of others. Men who are sound in faith and have tact and patience, who walk with God and abstain from the very appearance of evil, who stand so closely connected with God that they can be channels of light, in short, Christian gentlemen. Who will undertake this work? We would that there were strong young men, rooted and grounded in the faith, who had such a living connection with God that they could, if so counseled by our leading brethren, enter the higher colleges in our land where they would have a wider field for study and observation association with different classes of minds an acquaintance with the workings and results of popular methods of education and a knowledge of theology as taught in the leading institutions of learning would be of great value to such workers preparing them to labor for the educated class and to meet the prevailing errors of our time such was the method pursued by the ancient ancient Waldenses, and if true to God, our youth, like theirs, might do a great work, even while gaining their education, in sowing the seeds of truth in other minds. End of quote. Going down to the reading, it says, Let the workers be educated, but at the same time, let them be meek and lowly of heart. Let us elevate the work to the highest possible standard, ever remembering that if we do our part, God will not fail to do his. So here, is telling us is a way that one can go into the schools of the world to see the popular methods of education for what purpose not for learning learning it and using it for your own methods of serving god no but rather so that you can mix with the educated class and properly break down to them the errors in their system of education and also give them the truth another one now reading from testimonies volume 5 page 390 paragraph 1 and 2 it says young men who desire to enter the field as ministers corporators or canvassers should first receive a suitable degree of mental training as well as a special preparation for their calling those who are uneducated untrained and unrefined are not prepared to enter a field in which the powerful influences of talent and education combat the truths of God's word. Neither can they successfully meet the strange forms of error, religious and philosophical combined, to expose which requires a knowledge of scientific as well as scriptural truth. Those especially who have the ministry in view should feel the importance of the scriptural method of ministerial training. They should enter heartily into the work, and while they study in the schools, they should learn of the great teacher, the meekness and humility of Christ. End of quote. So two things are merged here. Firstly, there is a need of a kind of evangelistic ministry like that done by the wild and seas. And these were a people who first of all received the godly education, the true education, first. And after receiving that, they went as missionaries into the popular institutions, as missionaries, and also went there to learn other things. It is not wise for one who has not gone under the school of Christ to be placed in these institutions where error is taught. But I would also let you know that if one doesn't necessarily go to the schools of the world, you can still minister. Reading now from 
reading now from last day events page 205 paragraph 4 it says those who receive christ as a personal savior will stand the test and trial of these last days strengthened by unquestioning faith in christ even the the illiterate disciple will be able to withstand the doubts and questions that infidelity can produce and put to blush the sophistries of scorners the lord jesus will give the disciples a tongue and wisdom that their adversaries can neither gainsay nor resist those who could not by reasoning overcome satanic delusions will bear an affirmative testimony that will baffle supposedly learned men words will come from the lips of the unlearned with such convincing power and wisdom that conversions will be made to the truth thousands will be converted under their testimony why should the illiterate man have this power which the learned man has not the illiterate one through faith in christ has come into the atmosphere of pure clear truth while the learned man has turned away from the truth the palm the poor man is christ's witness he cannot appeal to histories or to so-called high science but he gathers from the word of god powerful evidence the truth that he speaks under the inspiration of the spirit is so pure and remarkable and carries with it a power so indisputable that his testimony cannot be gainsaid end of quote wonderful thing here do you know that these people who are called illiterate learned is just in the context of the world because they have really received a true education and they have a power that the learned doesn't have but the learned also has this power if like the person the people who are described here they have also received the knowledge of god it doesn't mean now that the learner doesn't have the power of god if the learned will humble themselves and submit themselves to christ and come into the atmosphere of clear truth and don't turn away from the truth and hold on to the things they've learned in their schools if they will do that then they will be saved they will also be able to be witnesses for god the first step in our education should be to learn of christ to and now because we are in a situation where we have gone like moses into the school of egypt first before christ we have to unlearn many things and that's the topic for today learning and unlearning but the right way should be the other way around first of all have the true education from god which now fits you like we read they are edu- educated class the fact is when you want to explain and break down the word of god to the educated class it requires that one should also know how to meet such minds it doesn't mean that somebody who hasn't been to their schools doesn't know the truth but the, what we're talking about is the method to meet such minds that's what we're talking of here the tact which one we use you have to know to an extent like we read now have some suitable degree of mental training and scientific knowledge as well as scriptural truth so that you can meet these educated class of people and minister to them but like i said before entering upon this great work the foundation must be laid and the first work must be done in the education of a person which is they must receive an education from god and for us we must unlearn what we have learned in babylon and adopt the education from god reading from christian educator august 1 1897 it says now as never before we need to understand the true science of education if we fail to understand this 
we shall never have a place in the kingdom of God. End of quote. Reading again from Ministry of Healing, page 453, paragraph 4. And by the way, let me not just pass by that quote lightly. Did you get that? If we fail to understand the science of true education, we shall never have a place in the kingdom of God. Why? Because the education, the true education is a knowledge of God. You can't have a place in the kingdom of God if you don't have the knowledge of God. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So let it not startle you that we are told that if you don't know the science of education, you will not be in the kingdom of God. It is actually true, because the science of education being referred to here is the Bible, scripture. That is first education before any other thing. Our devotion yesterday, we looked at it how Richard Baxter was saying, you cannot even study your biology and your physics and your chemistry without knowing God. If you separate it from God, you will just learn foolishness. And that's what the world is doing. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 453, paragraph 4, it says, There is a science of Christianity to be mastered, a science as much deeper, brother, higher than any human science as the heavens are higher than the earth. The mind is to be disciplined, educated, trained for we are to do service for god in ways that are not in harmony with inborn inclination hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil must be overcome often the education and training of a lifetime must be discarded that one may become a learner in the school of christ our hearts must be educated to become steadfast in god we are to form habits of thought that will enable us to resist temptation. We must learn to look upward. The principles of the Word of God, principles that are as high as heaven and that compass eternity, we are to understand in their bearing upon our daily life. Every act, every word, every thought is to be in accord with, the, with these principles. All must be brought into harmony with and subject to Christ. End of quote. What I just read now is the true education. It is a very good explanation of what it is. It is about the principles of God's word being brought into our lives. So that all our acts, all our words, all our thoughts will be in accordance to this principle. Have you been wondering, what is this true education they've been talking about? That is it. It is the dropping and unlearning of the worldly education, dropping its principles. Let me give you an example of the world's principles. Survival of the fittest, that's one of it. Not understanding that people are different. That is one of the principles of the world. Competition is what makes this world go, go round. It's another principle of the world, strife. Where you are not putting yourself down for others to be raised up. But in the word of God, Philippians 2, we are told that Jesus, Jesus let down himself so that we can be exalted. He lost something that we may gain something. This is a principle from the Word of God, for example, that we must in all our acts, all our words, all our thoughts be conformed to. The education and the science of Christianity being referred to is to learn the principles of God's Word and ensure that your actions, your words, your thoughts are in harmony with those principles. You don't need to be told every act you need to do, but you just need to know the principle. And when you know it, you ask yourself, this act, this act I'm about to perform, is it in harmony with the principle of God's word? Some principles like mercy, like compassion, like justice. The principle of self-forgetfulness, of humility and meekness. 
patience and perseverance. When you understand these principles, you now have to ensure that your words are in harmony with it. So when you speak your words, you have to ask, am I patient? For example, Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are pure, if there is anything praiseworthy, if there is anything of good report, think on these things. So my thoughts, when I'm learning from Christ, He teaches me that this is what my thoughts should be in accordance with. So I have to ensure that all my thoughts are in harmony with purity, for example. Purity means that I should not do anything that arouses impure thoughts in another person's mind or say anything that arouses impure thoughts in somebody else's mind. So this is the principle now and I have to check every word, every thought, every act that is in harmony with the principle of purity or in harmony with the principle of good report or something that is praiseworthy or mercy. This is how you get educated in the school of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 reading from verse 19 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is this thing now that I'm talking about. When we look at it, what's the education in this? Talking about the principles of God's word. Yes, that you may look at it as foolishness. It is the foolishness of God, but it is wiser than men. Because you see these principles I'm just mentioning now. The principle that Christ had of self-forgetfulness, self-abnegation, self-denial. The principle of rather instead of competing but seeking to be useful to help another person. These principles are the principles that the world lacks. Why do you think there is war in the world? Why do you think there is bloodshed and hatred? Why do you think there is adultery going on? Why do you think marriages are breaking? It is because self is alive. The education of the world has not taught the world to deny self. It has not taught the world to put others better than themselves. It has not taught the world to look at the, 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 at the things of others more than the things of themselves. And because this principle is not in the world, what, what, what's going on? We see broken marriages, broken homes. We see bloodshed. We see death. We see diseases. We see poverty. It is not for lack of civilization in the sense of science that the world is perishing. It is for lack of knowledge of God. It is for lack of practicing of these principles that has been listed now. The world would have been a far better place had we been more self-denying and self-abnegating in our, in our actions and our words. We would have been better. There would have been no war. There would have been no bloodshed. Poverty would not be there. But because these principles, as, as, as little as they look, they look like small things. We, we, you know, we want, like the Bible says, the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews seek after a sign. We want to see big stuff. When we talk of education, people are they're expecting to see oh, machines and equipments and laboratories. That's what they're expect, expecting to see. And we've been seeing it. Has it solved our problem? No. Do you know what you need? You just need a dose of the Word of God. That is what will solve the world's problem. The dose of these principles into your life and in the life of others. And this world will be a better place. It is for lack of these little things big little things they are for lack of it our world is perishing it is not because we lack laboratories or good hospitals it's not because healthcare is not getting its billions and trillions in sponsorship it is not because the schools 
are not getting their one trillion uh, naira from the federal government of Nigeria that were in a better place, even if they get their demands, even if all the educational bodies get all the money they want, they will not still solve this whole problem. They keep saying, oh, education is the future. And then, what's the education they're referring to? It's still the same Babylonian Egyptian education. It's not any future. It's not helping nothing. What do we need? It is this education from God. As simple as it looks, as foolish as it looks, it is the foolishness of God, but it is wiser than men. And it is this weakness of God, but it is stronger than men. Strength is found in these principles of God's word, in mercy, in justice, in compassion, in self-forgetfulness, in self-abnegation, in self-denial. That is the principle that the Lord displayed when he left heaven and came down to this earth to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. When we look at Calvary and study it, we will learn those principles. When we study the life of Christ, this is the true education. Our life will be changed. The world's life will be changed. The world in general will be changed. But the false system of education, which if we know it, we will understand why we shouldn't go through it, then we'll avoid it and we'll unlearn it. I want to now compare this false and true system of education just briefly. I'll be reading now from the History of Education, page 152, written by F.V. N. Painter. Here's what he said about the false education. He said, in 1528, Melanchthon, who was one of the reformers, drew up the Saxony School Plan, which served as the basis of, of organization for many schools throughout Germany. This plan dealt with the question of multiplicity of studies that were not only unfruitful, but even hurtful. The teacher should not burden the children with too many books. End of quote. So one of the bad parts of this kind of education is the burdening of the students with too many books, too many things to study. Another person says in the history of education, still page 156 to 157, he says, speaking of this false system of education, he writes, a dead knowledge of words took the place of living knowledge of things. The pupils were obliged to learn, but they were not educated to see and hear, to think and prove, and were not led to a true independence and personal perfection. The teachers found their function in teaching the prescribed text, not in harmoniously developing the young human being according to the laws of nature. You see, this kind of education we are talking about actually was fostered by these people we call the Jesuits. And I want to read something about them too in the same book, page 171 to 173. It says, The Jesuits made much of emulation. What is emulation? Competition. He who knows how to excite emulation has found the most powerful auxiliary in his teaching. Nothing would be more honorable than to outstrip a fellow student, and nothing more dishonorable than to be outstripped. Prizes will be distributed to the best pupils with the greatest possible solemnity. Have you seen that happening today? When people are graduating, and then they will all, they'll give you gown and put things on the head, and then they will give it some kind of solemnity where you will walk on the red carpet, and then they will give the person the award and the prize just to create jealousy in other people's mind, envy. That's what they do. And like they read that they said, anyone who knows how to excite emulation has found the most powerful auxiliary in teaching. That is the world system of education. Going on in the reading, it says, It sought showy results with which to dazzle the world. A well-rounded development was nothing. The Jesuits did not, did not aim at developing all the faculties of their pupils, but merely the receptive and reproductive faculties. When a student could make a brilliant display from the resources of a well-stored memory, memory, take note of that, and you see our education today, what is it about? 
just regurgitating what the teacher tells you memorize and write it down memorize and write it down you think about it many of us have gone through this thing before we ask ourselves is this really education and i know many other people who they've not even read it from anywhere they just know that you cannot test people by the way you do your tests and examinations and then say who is intelligent and who is not intelligent just by asking them some questions and then them writing down what the teacher told them is that really how to check who really knows something this is the Jesuit system, the false system of education that has spread around the world. They were the ones who brought it up. Going on, it says, When a student could make a brilliant display from the resources of a well-stored memory, he had reached the highest point to which the Jesuits sought to lead him. Originality and independence of mind, love of truth for its own sake, the power of reflecting and of forming correct judgments were not merely neglected, they were suppressed in the Jesuit system. Okay, end of quote. So here, you see the suppression of independent thinking. And the world today is like that. They don't want independent thinking. Look at the way the coronavirus pandemic stuff, so-called pandemic was, actually dealt with. You are not allowed to have a different opinion from what the leaders have said. That is the Jesuit system of education. No different opinion from what your teacher has said. Don't study for yourself. Only listen to what you are told and give it back to the teacher and then you'll be given the score and be given the degree. And thereby making us slaves to information dependent on what any other person says. Now, there's another thing we saw that they used to do, which is grading. Reading from Manuscript Releases, Volume 2, page 215, paragraph 3, we are told not to do this. It says, The system of grading is a hindrance to the pupil's real progress. Some pupils are slow at first, and the teacher needs to exercise great patience. But these pupils may, after a short time, learn so rapidly as to astonish him. Others may appear to be very brilliant, but time may show that they have, they have blossomed too suddenly. The system of confining children rigidly to grades is not wise." End of quote. Having said that, that doesn't mean that if somebody goes for the ministerial work, now, like I said, like the wild NCs who went to the universities of the world to minister there and were like camouflage of students they were like camouflaging as students they will write their exams they will give them the grades that doesn't mean that they were also part of the system they were there as missionaries so even though the grades were given to them that's not what they came there for they were not after that they were not in any competition doesn't mean now that everybody who goes into the school and gets a grade or get a degree that means the person uh is supporting that system of education the motive for which the wildenses went is different and what we read earlier talking about a special class of people who is needed to go into these places to also study if they go there and there has to be grades given to them shouldn't be looked at as any issue to make uh, trouble with because the purpose for which they went there is a different purpose altogether now talking about how the right system of education should be coordinated I'll be giving some qualities now or some of the things that are necessary to be studied in the true system of education. One of the things like we've seen already is the Bible. Reading from Christian Education, page 108, we are told if used as a textbook in our schools, the Bible will be found far more effective than any other book, than any other book in the world. Also in Special Testimonies, page 233. Or you can find it in pamph pamphlet 81, page 21, paragraph 3. It says, The word of God is to stand as the highest educating book in our world and is to be treated with reverential awe. It is our guidebook. We shall receive from it the truth. We need to present the Bible as a great lesson book to place it in the hands of our children and youth that they may know Christ, who 
whom to know aright is life eternal. It is the book to be studied by those of middle age and those who are aged. So that's one thing in the true system of education. The Bible is to be studied. The second thing is nature. Like we said yesterday, the invisible things of God are seen in nature. And if, if science is properly studied, which is what we call nature, because when we study biology, physics, chemistry, we actually study nature. And when we study those things, we have to study it in connection with God, not apart from God. Reading from pamphlet 81, page 23, paragraph 1. It says, while the Bible should hold the first place in the education of children and youth, the book of nature is next in importance. And goes on to say, the little children should come especially close to nature. Another thing that's important is physiology. It says the youth should be taught to look upon physiology as one of the essential studies and they should not be satisfied with the mere theory. They should practice the knowledge obtained from books on this subject. This matter has not yet been patiently and perseveringly worked out. Those who neglect this branch of study, which comprehends so much, will make haphazard work in attempting to teach the youth. A practical knowledge of the science of the human life is necessary in order to glorify God in our bodies. It is therefore of the highest importance that among studies selected for childhood, physiology should occupy the first place. So somebody will be wondering, how can I teach a child physiology? Don't worry about the big name physiology. You can start teaching a little child physiology by just telling him the body parts. Let him know what his eye is, his head, his ear, his nose, his mouth, his tongue, and let him know the function of each. That's basic for every child. And as they get older and older, you start to tell them not just the function, but you can tell them care. Care for the eye, care for the nose. That is just the outer parts. Then later, you can start telling them of their inner parts and tell them what they look like. And then you can even make songs out of it to teach them. And in the way they work with each other and then do not study like the way the world studies it let them understand the interconnection between them and see object lessons in the human body of how god is revealed in it how there is that interconnection you can talk to them about the brain and help them to see the sympathy between the stomach and the brain and how the brain is the headquarters of the body but yet other places are affected by it all these things are important it's not the way the world studies it no the physiology is to be studied not apart from god like we saw in our reading yesterday that the first thing that looks as closest to god is man himself so god we studying physiology studying man and his body should bring us closer to God if it is studied the right way. But when it is studied apart from God, then that knowledge is almost uh, it's almost useless for us in our world. And that's why you see that it's not solving our problems. Having many many doctors more and more nurses, but yet our problems in health is still going on. But if it was studied the right way, it will not be so. Then the other things, of course, the common branches of education, we cannot neglect them. Reading and writing and speaking. Reading from Manuscript Releases, Volume 2, page 214, paragraph 5, it says, It is important that students be taught to spell correctly and to write plainly. They should be given a thorough drill in these branches. There are men in responsible positions, physicians, lawyers, and even editors whose writing can scarcely be read. A great mistake has been made in their education. In education, the work of climbing must begin at the lowest round of the ladder. There are many who feel that they have finished their education but who are faulty in spelling and in writing and who can neither speak nor read correctly. These need to go back and begin to climb from the first round of the ladder. When voice culture, reading, 
writing and spelling take their rightful place in our schools. A great change for the better will be seen. These subjects have been neglected because our teachers have not realized their value. Now, we just saw here about says, lawyers and doctors cannot even write well. In fact, they are taught not to write well. I know that doctors are taught that they shouldn't write very clearly. They shouldn't write legibly for any other person to see. Well, why that is the case, I don't know. But it's something that is taught. That's how they are taught to write, many of them. Another thing that's important, like we were saying, is voice training. Why is voice training important? Because remember that the foolishness of preaching is what the Lord has ordained as a means to uh, bring the gospel to the world. So having voice culture is important. Continue the reading. It says, voice culture is presented to me as of the greatest importance. Students should receive a training that will prepare them to impart the knowledge they receive. Unless they are taught to read and speak slowly and distinctly with clearness and force, placing the emphasis where it belongs, how can they teach with any good effect? They should not be allowed to speak so fast that they cannot be clearly understood. Every word, every syllable should be plainly spoken. Those who are to go into the field as teachers and ministers should be trained to speak in a way that will arouse an interest in the precious truths which they present. A man may not have so much knowledge, yet he can accomplish much if he has a voice so well trained that he can impart clearly that which he knows. But if a man cannot tell in a forcible manner what he knows, of what benefit is his training, even though his mind be stored with knowledge? So, end of quote. Do you see how important this is? You have all the knowledge, but you cannot communicate it. So, voice culture is very important. Other important things are uh, things that have to do with business. Things that have to do with business. Pamphlet 81, page 25, paragraph 1, we are told. The education given in our schools is one-sided. Students should be given an education that will fit them for successful business life. The common branches of education should be fully and thoroughly taught. Bookkeeping should be looked upon as of equal importance with grammar. This line of study is one of the most important for use in practical life. But few leave our schools with a knowledge of how to keep books correctly. So I just ran through some of the basic and important things that we need to learn if we are in the school of Christ so that we can have a well-rounded education. Having learned the things of the world that we need to unlearn, the principles we got from the world like the competitive spirit, like the spirit of uh, thinking of self more than of others. All those things need to be unlearned and we need to learn the things of God. The means by which these things are learned is what I have just gone through. Through the uh, word of God, learning in nature, physiology, all those things will teach us the things that we really need to learn and the principles contained in God's word. I also talked about people having to go to the popular institutions of the world to receive an education but also, I would say, majorly like the Waldenses, to know how to meet the educated class because it is important that if you must meet those people, like we said, those people who must meet those minds, the educated mind, will need to understand how to go about it. And that means they should know very well the errors that are contained in the false system of education. We read that in Christian Education, page 212, paragraph 4. So, I have read before some other things to show us that 
it's not as if God is dependent on the so-called learned or educated class to do his work in these last days. God will still use people who are not qualified by the schools of the world to work for him. And I want to read some other things on that note for us. Testimonies, volume 5, page 80 and 82. Hear these words, it says, In the last solemn work, few great men will be engaged. God will work a work in our day that but few anticipate. He will raise up and exalt among us those who are taught rather by the unction of his spirit than by the outward training of scientific institutions. These facilities are not to be despised or condemned. They are ordained of God, but they can furnish only the exterior qualifications. God will manifest that he is not dependent on learned, self-important mortals. To souls that are earnestly seeking for light and that accept with gladness every ray of divine illumination from his holy word, to such alone light will be given. It is through these souls that God will reveal that light and power which will lighten the whole earth with his glory. Amen. So it is not the need, it's not for lack of scientific qualifications and all of that that we cannot be um, ready to do the last solemn work in this world. No, what God needs is somebody like Moses who will follow every requirement of God, who will unlearn the things that they have learned in the world and submit themselves meekly to God, accepting every ray of divine light from the word of God. And again, reading says in Review and Herald, November 27, 1900, it is discipline of spirit, cleanness of heart and thought that is needed. This is of more value than brilliant talent, tact or knowledge. An ordinary mind trained to obey, not a sophisticated mind now, an ordinary mind trained to obey a thought said the Lord is better qualified for God's work than are those who have capabilities but do not employ them rightly. Great Controversy, page 606 says, The laborers should be qualified rather by the unction of his spirit than by the training of literary institutions. Men of faith and prayer will be constrained to go forth with holy zeal, declaring the words which God gives them. I pray that we all, through the Spirit of God, will understand these things. I hope the words that have been said, maybe some things were not properly said. I just hope you understand everything well. Human words are used to say these things. I hope that the truths will be settled in the mind very well and that we will unlearn the things that need to be unlearned and learn the things that need to be learned. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. I pray that these words that have been spoken will be discerned by the minds that are listening and that we all will unlearn the things that need to be unlearned and that you will teach us from your word and qualify us to be a blessing to this world as we receive our education from you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Thank you.